Colossians chapter 3. And let's go ahead and pray this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you once again today for this opportunity to study your word, Lord, to hear from heaven. Thank you for your manifest presence that's in this place even now. Lord, minister, I pray to every person, and I will be faithful to speak what you give me, to share with, uh, with those uh, things that you give me for them. Thank you for the life of God that's uh, permeating each and every person now. As we are alive in Christ, that life even affects our mortal bodies. Thank you for doing a good thing in us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 3. We want to continue. We've been for the last couple of weeks in this series called Taking Off the Limits. Taking Off the Limits. Colossians 3, verse 23 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. How should we do it? Heartily. Do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. And not to men. And as we understand this, we are doing everything we do for the Lord. And not to men. Praise the Lord. NIV says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord and not for men. Whatever we do, we're supposed to do it with all of our hearts. Say, Pastor, you already said that last week. Well, I checked, and the verse still said the same thing. And so that gives me permission to say it again. (laughs) Have we figured out that just because we have heard something doesn't necessarily mean it's well-established in us and that we're necessarily living that way? Sometimes we need to be continually reminded. We remind ourselves. If you're relying on me to remind you, listen, there's too many subjects in the Bible. We only get to them once every several years. (laughs) And, uh, well, this is, we're in our seventh year now. I've never taught this before, right? And so, if you don't wait on, uh, don't wait on your preacher to stir you up. Don't wait on the pastor to give you the spiritual food and edification that you need. Edify yourself. Get in the word yourself. Keep yourself stirred up on the things of the Lord. Let God speak to you as you read the, the Bible for yourself, okay? The fourth verse said, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ okay and so uh, it's again it's important I mean if all you're looking for is maybe a bonus at the end of the year then well maybe you want to serve your employer real well but if you if you really know that the reward comes from him you'll be mindful of him in everything you do Okay, on the job, in the home, in the church, everywhere, everything you do, everywhere you go, be mindful that you are living for and working for the Lord, and so, therefore, do it with all of your heart. Now, uh, we've been talking, again, about taking off the limits, and we know this is the foundation, that whatever we do, we've got to be wholehearted in our efforts in doing that. The examples we gave without rehearsing great detail, but the prophet told the king, strike the ground, man, and he just hit it. He hit it three times, and he said, dude, (laughs) you saw that commercial, right? (laughs) You should have hit it five or six times. Then you would have wiped out the Syrians completely, but now you'll have three victories. 
And there seems to be something about our response to what God tells us to do. Everything we read in His Word, every inspired utterance that comes our way, if we take a ho-hum response and, yeah, I'll do that, but we don't do it wholeheartedly with full effort, we're not going to get the desired result. We're not going to get what God had in mind when He spoke to us. God has something in mind for you. Remember Jeremiah? He has plans for you, has a future, has a hope for you. It's good stuff. It's grandiose in in nature. And uh, we need to understand that it's not all about what God wants. It's about our response to what he says to us. And if we take a wholehearted response and he says hit and we keep hitting until he stops us, uh, uh, then we're going to get the fullness of what he intended in that instruction. Okay? Praise the Lord. God has instructions for all of us. And it's beneficial to somebody else. And it's beneficial to you. I think sometimes, how much do we not know that what the impact of our obedience to God is? You know, this was a meeting, I assume, behind closed doors. This, this meeting between, you have to go back to the first week of the series, but uh, between the prophet and uh, what was the king's name? Yeah. No. Anyway. <laughs> Who? What? Hez- no, it wasn't Hezekiah. Joash. Joash. Uh, it was a meeting behind closed doors. And I don't know, did Joash realize that his lackadaisical response to the word of the Lord was going to affect his whole kingdom? Certainly a king should understand that the decisions he makes affects all the people but to us how do we know because i really believe this that your obedience to god is not limited to your success it's not limited to how much you get out of the deal that's really not not how god moves his blessing in your life is not supposed to stop with you every step of obedience that i take and as we see it's not just obedience, but it's the measure with which I use in, in obeying. Everything I do as response to God will impact someone else to a greater or lesser degree. And if I hit the ground a couple times, I don't know, I don't want to think about this, but maybe some people are going to stay all, stay all bound up as a result of that. Maybe some people won't have the deliverance because the influence that God intended my victory to have in their life. And if I don't go all out, and if I don't give the Lord everything I've got, to what degree does someone else miss out on the testimony of God's victory in my life and my influence in their life? Amen. I don't know if we've ever thought about this, but sometimes we're always thinking, okay, this is what I have to do. But that's not the end of it. I I know this. I was taught this back when I was in in Bible school, and I've I've shared it here before too. They, They would tell us. God didn't call you for you. He didn't put his spirit on you and call you about to place you in the ministry because he liked you so much. (laughs) Because you were so special. No, you're saved because you were special to the Lord. But your call to ministry, and listen, this involves all of us. It's not just five-fold ministry. This, your call to ministry is because God loves somebody else. Many times the things that God gives me, I think, oh, the Lord loves me so much to give me that. And there's truth to that, but it's really because he loves someone else. He never intended for any of us to be a stop. 
for it to flow to us and stop right there. But He wants to use you. And as a matter of fact, you are being used by someone, you know, for some purpose, to some degree in someone's life. And how we respond to the Lord can make all the difference. Not just about obedience, but it's about uh, the approach that we take to God's will and His plan in everything we do. You remember Isaiah 119. Isaiah 119 said, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. I find it very interesting that he doesn't just say, If you'll just obey God, man, if you'll just do what he said, you'll eat the good of the land. No, he made mention of heart content. What our heart has in it can make all the difference in what we're able to walk in and receive from the Lord. And so, our heart, sometimes you say, well, you can never really know what's in somebody's heart. Well, don't say never. I, I agree that you can't necessarily quickly always just see what's in. Sometimes you can. But many times you can't necessarily just look at someone and know what their, what's in their heart and their commitment to God and their, uh, uh, just many things. But, but we need to understand this, that the heart is revealed in our actions. And, and definitely over time, you can, if you were to be around someone a long time, you can know what's in their heart because eventually it will come out in their actions. None of us are going to be one thing on the inside and be a completely opposite thing on the outside long term. Okay, You can pull the wool over someone's eyes for a little while, but eventually who you are in all your glory... <laughs> It's going to come out, and people are going to see what we're made of, all right? And so that's why we just, you know, not for that purpose, but just because of our relationship with God, we want to make hard adjustments so that we do everything we do with all of our heart, all of our heart. If no one ever knows, no, people don't even know how much effort I've put into this. People don't know how much I've sacrificed. People don't know how much I've worked hard. No one gives me any credit. No one, no one recognizes me. Okay, you might be right, but who are you doing it for? That's really what we've all got to come down to. Because there's a possibility you could work your rear end off and that no one will ever pat you on the back and say, you know, you're such so committed and you just really blessed me. And, but the Lord is watching. And when you do so stuff with all of your heart, He is faithful to you. You'll not be left out of the reward. Amen. God will be faithful to you. And uh, if no one ever gives you credit, come on now, He's paying attention. That should be enough. It should be enough. Now, don't use that as an excuse to not appreciate other people. If you see other people doing great things, you know, we all like to feel appreciated. So tell people, you know, I sure appreciate you. That can help minister to them. But if no one gives it to you, the Lord has given it to you. Amen. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about what limits God. Of course, we've mentioned it to some degree, but let me give it to you in a one, two, three kind of format. What limits God? L look at Psalm 78 with me. Psalm chapter 78. You remember we read uh, one of these verses previously. That spoke of limiting God. Psalm 78 and verse 40. Psalm 78, 40. It says, How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, 
They tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. That's the part we read before. They limited the Holy One of Israel. But notice what it said. It says they provoked Him in the wilderness. Some translations will just say they rebelled against Him. How can we limit what God wants to do in our lives? Number one is rebellion. Good old fashioned. <laughs> Garden variety. Rebellion. Going contrary to what God wants. Some people take it almost as a compliment. I'm just a rebel. Dude, you don't really want to say that about yourself. <laughs> I'm a rebel. You're full of rebellion. You're as the sin of witchcraft. Remember that in the Bible? I'm, I'm just a witch. <laughs> Do we really want to say that about ourselves? Rebellion, of course, is a very serious thing. And they were uh, rebelling against God. And that was how, that was one of the ways that they were limiting what God wanted to do. Of course, this is, you know the context, without me going back, Israel coming into the promised land, they were in the wilderness there. It was supposed to be a two-week journey, but instead it took them 40 years. They were rebellious. Did God have more for them? Absolutely. So that first generation that came out of Egypt with, you know, grandiose things in their eyes, well, they didn't really see it, but... God promised them great things, a land of flowing with milk and honey. They came out of slavery, and God had great things for them, and they never got it. Their kids got it, but they never got it. They died there in the wilderness. Well, one of the things they did is they rebelled against God, okay? They insisted on their own ways. You ever find yourself insisting on doing what you want to do? Well, I have a plan. I have an agenda. I, ha I have something that I've set my heart out to do. Well, it should all be subject in our lives to the leading of the Lord and what He would uh, want us to do, what He would desire for us to do. All, everything needs to be subject. But we can look at this a couple ways. Uh, of course, we, we, we want to serve God simply out of desire to please Him. He saved us, gave us his life, gave us salvation and eternity with him. Wow, it's amazing, it's powerful. And I want to serve him back. That's the best motive, best desire. But look, look at it this way as well. God is right. And serving him and following his ways is smart. I know sometimes people want to uh, imply that those who are Christians have really, they're really kind of not the, the brightest bulb in the, in the lamp, you know, because they just ignore reality and just have this kind of blind faith and, uh, and whatever, whatever. God is right, and those who follow him and do what he says, independent of any external evidence, they're going to be successful just because he knows what works and he knows what does not work. Okay? I mean, well, let's not go there. If we live contrary to the Lord's ways, we will simply fail. We simply, it's just not logical to go contrary to what the Lord wants. But it's amazing sometimes how we exalt what we can figure out 
in our brain concerning our lives. And we're going to exalt what we can figure out about our lives and say, I'm going to go ahead. I know the Lord says this. I know what the, the, He said in the Bible here. I'm going to go ahead and go with this. Do we need to give you the measurements <laughs> of your brain in relationship to the universe? <laughs> and sometimes we have exalted ourselves. It's out of pride. It's out of rebellion. It's out of a lack of faith. But we say, I'm going to exalt what I can figure out, what I can think, and I'm going to go with it. Even though when you know the Lord wants you to do something different. Okay, there, there, are, there are folks here this morning who their, their brain, along with some help from their, their body, told them, just sleep in. Just stay in bed. What's the big deal? You're still saved. It's not like you don't love God. And, uh, and some people's brains said, you know what? You've been to church a lot lately. And uh, you, don't need to, you don't need to keep going. I mean, what's the big deal? Like it's going to make a difference. And they believed their little brain over Hebrews 10. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And other scriptures. They magnified their brain. I'm going to tell you, they are still saved. The Lord still loves them. We're not under law, we're under grace. But that's pretty stupid. I mean, if we just think about it logically. And that's just one example of many. How we say, we decide based on how we feel and what we can see, and you cannot see very far, even if you've got 20-20 vision. You can't see very far into your future, and you can't see, and we magnify what we can figure out above trusting an eternal God who's all-powerful and omniscient. He, he, he knows everything. He's everywhere, and He loves you and has given you a word, given you direction for your life, and we're going to set that aside. No, I got this one, Lord. I got this. Thanks. Appreciate it. I got this one figured out. That's not very smart. And so whether we do things simply because, Lord, I love you and you've given your life for me and I want to do everything to serve you and please you, that's a good motive. And, uh, or whether we just say, Lord, I'm, gonna be, I'm just going to acknowledge that you're smarter than me, that you know more than I do, that you can see the future that I can't see. And if you direct me, don't go here or do go here, do say this or don't say this, do give this or don't give this, I'm going to trust you. Amen. N number two, what limits God? Well, rebellion does. If you, just won't, if you won't give him place and do what he says, that'll limit him in your life. Number two is unbelief. Unbelief. Again, this is garden variety. <laughs> This is this is the old-fashioned unbelief. Not real complicated. I, I think it's amazing sometimes when we're looking for answers and, and direction. How come this didn't work? How come this is not functioning in my life? That we skip over some of the basics. Have you ever done that? I've done that before. And I've looked for a, a, a real complex answer. And there's got to be a, a an answer that's real unique. No one's ever known this because no one's ever experienced what I'm going through. No one has ever even come. So there's got to be a real specific, tailored, heavenly, divine answer to me. I'm probably going to have to have an angelic vision to get over this one. Uh, everybody listening? And, uh, uh, and so and we, we, we've decided that it can't be one of those simple, basic things like unbelief. Some even take offense to it. You telling me I don't have any faith? 
well, who in the world are you? You the first one that's never had to deal with that? <laughs> you the first one on the planet? Is it such an insult? You consider yourself such a low human being if you've never uh, had to be rebuked for a lack of faith? Mark chapter 9. Why don't you just go there? This is, it's good to know where this is at. And then Matthew 17. I want to get, get into the Word. Get your fingers in there. Mark 9 and verse 23. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Say, I thought the Bible said all things are possible with God. Well, it does say that. But concerning your life, how many know what you believe is critical? If you don't believe, well, God can still do anything. He just can't do it in your life. Have we already determined and discovered that what we experience is not completely uh, up to the Lord, but it is dependent on our response to the Lord? Listen to the last couple of weeks' message. Okay? So God can do anything, but you believing that. If you can believe, all things become possible to you. It's one thing that God can do it. It's a whole other thing that I can do it. And I can believe that God will do it in me. All right. Now, now Matthew 17. All things are possible to him who believes. He didn't say all things are possible if the Lord in his sovereign will chooses to do it for you. Someone say, well, what about that? In his sovereign will, he said, all things are possible to him who believes. Sometimes people want to separate the sovereignty of God and faith. In God's sovereign ability, he set up a system which, whereby you have a heart that can believe. And if you will believe, all things become possible to you. God in his sovereignty set that up. Therefore, a person cannot, is not going to approach something with great faith and God's going to override it. Oh, no, I'm God. I'm not going to let you have it this time. I'm not going to let that work this time. I know you believed. Good job, but no. He designed you and I so that we had a heart that could believe or it could disbelieve. It's up to us. It's a choice that we make. I'm going to believe that. We hear a word. We hear what the Lord says, and we say, I'm going to believe that. Or no, I'm going to go ahead and go with me. I'm going to go ahead and go with my brain. I mean, I've got a, I've got, you know, I've got a college degree. I'm going to go ahead and go with me. What is the, where, Lord, where did you get your degree? Hmm. I almost sounds silly, but we kind of do that. Matthew 17, and let's see here. I know where we want to get. Uh, verse 14. When they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down and, to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And so Jesus, Jesus answered and said, well, obviously it wasn't the Lord's will. 
I mean, if you prayed and nothing happens, you've got to just accept God's will in your life. And, uh, you know, you've just got to submit yourself to his plan. And, and if he wants it to happen, it'll happen. If he doesn't want it to happen, it won't happen. Just maybe it's just not his time. It's not the Father, it's not the Lord's timing for your son to be healed. And so you just need to wait on him. And, and, act, and actually, you know, you, you've been doing quite a bit of sin lately. And so uh, maybe you just need to clean up your act a little bit and then your son will be healed. And is that what the Lord said? If he didn't say that, should we say that? Should we ever be telling people? Ever. That, that if they're not healed, it's not God's timing. There's a lot less response on that. We should never, ever, in any circumstance, tell someone that. You know why? Because Jesus never did. Ever. Not once. And we got, the, and we got people all of a sudden today who've got degrees and doctorates and they've been educated to this and they can study all these things and they throw these things in the middle of spiritual conversation. And Jesus was never smart enough to come up with them. I say, let's just go with the Lord. Again, this next one, what he said here, not real comforting. Not, real, not a real compliment. It doesn't let them off the hook. It doesn't say, oh, you know, you disciples, you did a real good job. Good, good try. You know, I, I know you had a good motive here, but some things are just out of your control. Sometimes you just can't influence a, a person's body like that. Well, a lot you could say there. Let's go ahead and go with Jesus. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. What happened? It came out. Well, how many times do people, if they pray about something, and they, maybe they're praying for somebody else, and they don't get a response... They back off and say, well, I guess, you know, I guess we just can't take care of this one. I guess it, I guess it wasn't, well, oftentimes it goes back thrown onto God. I guess it wasn't the Lord's will. I guess God didn't really want this to happen now. He's mysterious in all his ways. You never know what he's going to do. And, uh, and all these religious sounding statements come out, but it all, all of them leave the person bound. They tried, they gave it their best shot, they weren't successful, and yet they didn't give up on it. They didn't say, okay, well, sorry, we are having another meeting, <laughs> and uh, maybe, it, maybe it'll work out for you next time. I'm just saying, what I'm saying here is many times when people don't get something, they don't get what they're going after, they throw up their hands, they don't know why, and there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with someone they don't know why. It's just called, let's keep pursuing and find out why. If you don't know what's, why something's not working, keep pursuing. God has answers for you. What kind of heart do we have? Are we wholehearted about this? Am I going after what the Lord has promised me with everything in me? Or am I going to throw up my hands and say, well, you know, I tried to get it done. I pray, you know, I did the best I could. Nothing happened. So, man, keep going after it. Keep pursuing. Keep believing God. If there's some change we need to make, make it. Until we achieve the fullness of what God has. And it will be both a blessing to you and all the people you never even knew. They're going to be set free and helped and blessed. Because God moved in your life. And you wouldn't give up. And you wouldn't quit. And you wouldn't just pity paddle on the ground a couple times. But you smacked a fire out of that thing. Amen. Jesus rebuked the demon, it came out of him. I guess it was the will of God. 
after all. And the child was cured for that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your what? unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Why couldn't we cast it out? Because of your unbelief. How many know that's hard to tell someone? Especially these days, because that's almost like an insult. But that's what the Lord said. If it's the answer, do you want the answer even if it's kind of (laughs) insulting? I say, yeah, give me the answer. Because at least I'm not trying to figure out a special method or seeking for a, a, a special solution to my garden variety situation. I'm not looking for a special formula here that'll work just for me. If it's just plain old unbelief, if I know that, at least it'll, I'll know what to work on. Me. I need to stir it up a little bit. I need to believe God and not believe these other circumstances. Uh, go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 3. Okay, we better pick it up here. I'm going to pick up the pace, I think. Either that or I'm going to have to extend. Hebrews 3 and verse 19. Again, this speaks of what we've been using. Israel coming out of the wilderness into the promised land. And they didn't achieve what God wanted. They were limited because of their rebellion, because of their unbelief. Uh, Here's what it says, verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Just want you to be uh, understand that this principle that I'm teaching here is well established in the Bible. It's not hidden in some corner. This is one of those foundational areas that, again, people times uh, many times are looking for something special, but they miss it in the very very basics of issues. Why couldn't they enter in? Because of their unbelief. Why couldn't they enter in? Well, because the economy wasn't just quite what it was supposed to be uh, during the time that they... I mean, it was just a timing issue. And if, if things would have been a little bit different during their time when they were trying to you know, conquer the promised land, the, the waters were high in the river, and, and if a few different things would be different, they could have just went right in, right? No. Had nothing to do with that. God said, it's your unbelief. How many know the Lord is more powerful than anything that is standing in your way in your life? We need to be stirred up in that fact. God is more powerful than any circumstance that you are giving weight to right now that is limiting in what, you, what your potential is and what you can accomplish in life. It's not really the problem. Say, so I got this person, I gave them some money, man. They, someone owes me $20,000. and They're not really the problem. Maybe they're hindering you. But ultimately, if God is your source, and if He's the one who, uh, who supplies your need, they're not the problem. Well, my job, they've been laying people off, and, and uh, they've got this as kind of a downturn in this area, and that's not the problem. I know we can figure that out that way. We need to get beyond our brain we need to get beyond what we can figure out and say, this is more than a natural result that I'm experiencing. God is more powerful. So I've got this condition in my body, and I've, they've determined it's because of my DNA, because of my genes, because of my family. They've all had this. We all have this weakness, and, and, uh, and, and now 
came my time and now I'm susceptible to the same thing. Fine. But are we limited to that? I mean, that may be a natural explanation, but if we give too much credence to that, we're stuck. And you're going to live with the same thing that your parents had and your grandparents had and whatever was passed down genetically to you. Or we can say, Jesus is my healer and I have a new bloodline and there's no sickness in it. There's no cancer in it. There's no problems in it. And we start elevating our faith and say, I believe that all things are possible with God. And because I do, they, they now become possible with me. And we don't limit what God can do through our unbelief. And a lot of it's just focusing on the wrong area in life number three number three what limits god what he can do a lack of growth a lack of growth growth is normal for anything that is alive anything that's alive growth is normal if something is alive and it's not growing there's something strange about that there's something wrong. I know I've been told that even with physical bodies. I know, you know, we grow to a certain, at a certain age, like in height and so forth. I don't know, but I've been told that uh, the older you get, that your nose and your ears keep growing. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> so even those, uh, those of us who are full grown, <laughs> you're still growing. <laughs> But anything that's alive is growing. And we're not, of course, focusing on the physical, but on the spiritual aspect of our lives, our relationship with God. Growth is normal for anything. God intends for you to grow and to remain in a babyhood state of Christianity uh, is not what God expects. It's not what He intended for any of us. Much of what He has for us is contingent upon us possessing the maturity to handle it. Now, I want you to see your life from God's perspective. He drew you. No one comes to, my, comes to the Father, Jesus said, except he draw him. The Lord tugged on you, whether as a young child or as, a, as an adult, or, or maybe he's doing it now. You're not in the family yet. He tugs on you. And he did it with you in mind and your future in mind and a great and glorious plan. But here's what he intended. They're going to be born into the kingdom. And you're born a spiritually alive person. Nothing missing, nothing lacking in you spiritually. It's all there. But he intended, he has a plan for you now. Some things he wants you to do. Some things he, he knows you're going to enjoy and you're going to be a blessing to others. But his plan assumes that you're not going to stay in diapers. Amen. Are you listening? Just like a parent's plan, some, many times parents will start saving up for college and set up funds and different things for their kids when they're brand new, sometimes before they're brand new. <laughs> you know, there's little kids crawling around on the floor, and they got a college fund. Well, what are you thinking? That kid can't go to college. You're saving money for that little... They don't have babies in college. What are you thinking about? And they're planning their future and all this. Well, how many know they assume that they're going to grow? Their preparations and plans for them assume that they are not going to stay like that. And God's plan for your life, there was an assumption that 
you're going to come into the kingdom of God, be born again by His Spirit, and once you get in, you're going to start inhaling His Word. You're going to spend time with Him. You're going to be involved in a family, and there are going to be challenges that you will overcome, and you will grow and get stronger. And therefore, what God planned for you, He knows when you get to this point, you'll be able to handle it. You'll be able to take on more responsibility to accomplish more. The problem is, with some, man, we stayed babies. Still saved, but never really matured in the things of of God. Our minds haven't been renewed to the point that they should be by a certain point. And so we come into what God wanted to do, and He can't do it yet. We limited Him by our lack of growth. I got to tell you, it's not a good idea to just be satisfied. Well, I'm saved now. Woo, yay. And just kind of chill. Hang out. Don't ever work out spiritually. Don't ever get in and, and, and get, some, get challenged in our thinking and in the, in the renewing of our mind. Because you're going to come up on what God would have had you do. And it'll have to be delayed. Delayed at best. How do we limit God? We don't grow. Praise the Lord. I'll give you this scripture in closing, and then we'll have to pick up here next time. Ephesians 4, verse 14 and 15, says that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, who is the head, Christ. It was God's plan. You know the context of this is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. God set them in the church. They were to do certain things to equip the saints for the work of ministry. He went on to say, uh, so that we wouldn't remain children. In other words, one way to describe a person in the, who is saved, who comes into the kingdom of God, is at some point, you're a child. You're a child in relationship to spiritual things. And I believe that's our understanding of spiritual things. He said, I've got to give you some special gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. They'll equip you to start doing the ministry. So receiving from a five-fold minister and then doing the work of the ministry, in other words, letting God use you in ministry, those two things will help you to not be a child anymore. And if we will grow like we're supposed to, which is natural for every living thing, we will be ready to experience the next level of what God has for us individually. And the more you and I can step up on an individual basis, the more other people are going to be brought in. More other people are going to be impacted and affected for the kingdom of God. Oh, glory to God. This is important. This is, this is not real deep, but it's sometimes the simple things that are the most powerful and the most effective in getting us to where we need to be in our lives. Amen. We'll pick up there next time. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love extended toward us. You're a good God. You're a faithful Lord. And Lord, we do set our hearts today, set our hearts like flint, set our faces like flint. And we purpose to do everything we do with all of our hearts. Lord, help each and every one of us to see, even now, areas in our lives where we've been rebellious. We've 
uh, we've just kind of stuck our finger in your face and said, we're going to do it our way. We're going to stay with our own plan. Lord, if we've been doing that, show us that right now so we can repent and turn, make a change today. For areas where we've just simply been in unbelief. We didn't have, to, didn't have the faith to get it done. Lord, uh, I pray you, you, you help us to see that and understand that so we can get back into feeding on your word, stirring ourselves up so we can operate in the God kind of faith. Lord, for areas where we've just been, we just haven't been growing. We've been yielding to the flesh. We've been backing off every challenge, every tough time that, that comes our way, every difficulty we back off. and We shrink back from it and therefore never grow and go, grow past it and grow through it. Lord, help us to, to recognize these areas so that we can come on up and not limit what you're able to do in us, through us, in this day. Lord, we give you thanks and praise. You're a good God. You're a wonderful Lord. Father, I pray for those today who've never been saved.